0: Once again, the idea of big data in financial services rears its head in an article that I read about marketing's role in data analytics. Really? Do marketers really want to harvest data and use it in analytics? Oh yeah. Stay tuned and learn more. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Here we examine what enables true creativity, how to convert ideas into innovation, and seek out what ignites enterprise wide growth. I'm your host, entrepreneur, strategist, and user of metacognition, David Peterson. Question Have you ever heard of the Bader Meinhoff phenomenon? I'll wait while you go look that up on Google. <laughs> no, I'll I'll tell you what it is. The phenomenon, Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, occurs when the thing that you've just noticed, experienced, or been told about suddenly crops up everywhere. It's like you're looking at buying a white Ford Explorer, and then suddenly everywhere you look, there's a white Ford Explorer. And so I was uh, recently wrote an article on this idea of banking and big data, and it's, it's been a part of a, a podcast, including the most recent one. And then right after I did that, I saw this article from the American Banking Association Journal on marketing's role in addressing big data. It's like, oh, there you go, Bader-Meinhof right there. Well, the article summarizes the results of an ABA survey on how bank marketers are making use of the data they have. And I've got a link to the actual article in the show notes. You can go check out the article for yourself. But I found the results pretty interesting. So I'm going to have a graphic uh, in the show notes as well. And so I'm going to refer to this graphic. I'm just kind of talk through it here. But um, the bank marketers indicated they have access to a lot of data useful for marketing. So this is these are the things that they're using for access to uh, doing their marketing. There was product usage, channel usage cross-sell, customer segmentation, product profitability, market penetration, and data attributes. So again, these are all of the different things that these bank marketers had actually self-selected that they were using to uh, achieve their data analysis. Well, I, I thought product profitability was, you know, like fifth on the list, whatever, and I was a little surprised that that was rated so much lower than, say, product usage. Uh, It kind of made me wonder whether that means that maybe the marketers don't have access to the necessary data elements to really calculate profitability, or if the bank doesn't have a defined way to codify profitability that yields any actionable data. The problem is that profitability can be calculated any number of ways, and unless somebody sits down and sets definitions for, here's what profitability means to us and then how we will calculate that for a particular product or service relationship, then it's a pretty good chance that no profitability gets calculated at all, which is a shame because it really is important to know which customers or services, et cetera, are profitable. Just remember this. If a non-profitable customer leaves your bank for a competitor, your overall profit goes up, goes up. You're not hanging on to a customer on which you're losing money. Here's some other takeaways I thought that was interesting from the article. Bank marketers are getting more comfortable in using the data they have access to. Maybe, maybe this means they feel less creepy about it. Now, this is really important because bankers are predisposed to be very cautious about how data is used specifically to stay far away from whatever is perceived to be the creepy line. Now the survey indicated that bank marketers are not very confident about the quality or accuracy of the data they're using to make marketing decisions. Well, that's kind of problematic because marketing decisions must be from a position of knowing that the data is in fact accurate. And it's hard enough for marketers to show the efficacy of marketing campaigns they run without hampering them with data that they have little or no confidence in. So the ultimate goal of marketing's use of data comes from their ability to move the needle In building the brand, cross-selling, and new product or service creation. So here's another graphic that I'm going to put in there in the show notes to to kind of illustrate that issue. And again, it's a a graphic from the article that talks about this idea of whether they use data to support brand products to leverage for targeting customers or use data to develop new products. And on the very left, it's ineffective. And on the right, it's very effective. Well, You really need to actually see, go take a look at the graph because it could not look more like a standard bell curve if Carl Goss had literally drawn it. Now, there's an orange bar representing the target marketing is the one that stands out the most for me. At the end of the day, we must be able to get very granular about the specific subset of customers or prospects that we want to reach with an appeal and then be highly confident about our ability to accurately do so. What's amazing is that old school methods like snail mail marketing are incredibly effective if they are targeted to a very specific subgroup to which their appeal is uniquely tailored. Now, just a quick example. I'm aware of a company based in the Midwest who uh, basically has a, a whole number of marketing services, but one of the things they do is use beacons, which I've talked about before, to gather cell phone numbers that are passing by a specific banking location and then track those beacons to wherever they go, say, in the in the evening time, right? So they, they, they can sort of cluster around a map of cell phones that pass by a specific branch location. And so that gives them the ability to see where ostensibly those people live. They don't know who they are. They don't know their address. They just kind of know a general area. But now they can target even down to sub-zip codes, you know, zip code zip plus four. And if they see that there's a cluster of individuals... Who live in an area that they might not otherwise market to, but who it appears phones pass by the branch on a on a very regular basis, then a snail mail piece sent to those per, uh, specific zones is going to have a higher chance of actually getting some appeal. So you can imagine getting a piece that says, "Hey, we're here at the Johnson Street branch." And we'd love for you to come in and experience, you know, what we have to offer. Well, if that customer were to get something that just says, hey, we're first national bank and we we think you'd be a great customer of ours, they'd probably just pitch it in the trash. But you know, it's something like all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're at the Johnson Street branch, and immediately somebody's thinking, what do you th- I can't believe that. I drive, I drive by there every day, you know, and I'm going out of my way to go to this other bank. Maybe I should go in there. That that's the kind of connection where it's snail mail. But it's so laser targeted that it actually gets an extremely high level, even in the 20 plus percent hit rate in terms of, you know, conversions, meaning people actually coming in to that kind of appeal. Normally, any kind of snail mail might be a percent, one and a half percent uh, at best. So, you know, snail mail isn't necessarily, if it's used properly, old school. So let me close with this. Bank marketers have a really, really tough job. At a minimum, we should be giving our marketers accurate, targeted data that will enable them to focus marketing campaigns that will generate measurable results, the outcomes that I talked about in the previous podcast. Now, What are your thoughts? I would really appreciate you reaching out to me. My contact information is coming up here in just a minute, but I would really value, especially if you're on the side of the fence where you are marketing and you're trying to come up with ways to get targeted lists, to create very specific campaigns. How do you go about doing that, using the data that you have, having a high level of confidence in its reliability, and never crossing the ever-present creepy line? Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Thanks again for investing your valuable time listening to the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. I covet your questions, comments, or critique. You can reach me at david at david I'm also on Facebook at DP Speaks and everywhere else on social media at DLP Speaks. I look forward to hearing from you and be sure to look for a new episode soon.